Welcome to Mentored. Join two professional mentors, Carson Pugh and Martin Sanders, as they provide straight talk and wisdom to fellow leaders. Their approach is no-nonsense, practical, and focused on helping you become a better leader in all aspects of your life. Together, we'll gain valuable insights and actionable advice from these seasoned mentors. So now, here's our episode. Martin, it is great to be back in the studio with you and looking forward to this episode. I want to ask you about a phrase that you mentioned to me a while ago, and it was a phrase that really stuck with me because it resonated as being uh, so helpful. And the phrase was, broken and in a need for a healer. So tell us where that phrase came from. I'm always trying to come up with ways to articulate classic spirituality, classic Christian thoughts, but in updated arenas. And I was off to do um, a lectureship and a bit of a unique sort of an outreach at Oxford. And one of the things they wanted me to do was have like open mic with students to just banter back and forth. And I thought, yeah, let's let's put it in a pub mm-hmm. and let's call it pub apologetics. And it just seemed to be a good thing to talk about. And I was thinking of them and thought, they're used to a particular mode, a particular approach. And I thought, but a number of them would have, for lack of a better term, a hole in their soul. Mm. And it would mask by heavy intellect. But let's go after that. So that was actually my lecture. And then... When it came time for the pub apologetics, they weren't prepared for the approach of let's deal with the emotional side of your life. And so I said, historically, the church has talked about people are lost in need of a savior. When I look at you, it seems more like you're broken in need of a healer. Mm-hmm. That phrase that caught resonated. on. Yeah. It caught on. Yeah. I'm, I, still, I just want to go back to the... Uh, what did you call it? Pub? Pub apologetics. apologetics. Yeah. yeah. It's like theology on tap or what are, what are some other phrases we could come up with? But I love it that you got into a different arena to have those kind of conversations. And listen, I think with so many of the people that I interact with personally or speaking at conferences, I love that phrase mm-hmm. because I think it describes how people are feeling. And as you know, as a part of global leadership, and particularly uh, one of my uh, associates and colleagues, Rob Reamer, has written a book on soul care, which is just taken on a life of its own. And he's being used in varieties of places, <laughs> arenas, settings, countries. So that phrase has actually resonated there because we're talking about healing the soul. And so this is just absolutely Uh, one of those phrases that's picked up on, and he uses it Mm -hmm. so well. I I like how it helps me to view an individual as somebody who's broken. It brings about a tenderness in me that an Irishman doesn't usually have. But I think, hey, you're broken, and you're in need of a healer, and we want to help facilitate that. Now, when we talk about the key principles of the soul, if you will, one of the keys is to go, if we're going to become healthy in mentoring connections, 
then we have to somehow unpack what's already in the suitcase of the soul. That's the analogy that Rob Reamer uses in the, in the introduction. Yeah. He says, look, for those of us who travel, when we get home from a trip, you have to clean out your suitcase. You don't want to leave anything in there or it's bad next trip. So you clean out your suitcase. Same thing after a part of a life or an entire life. You got to clean out the suitcase of the soul. You can't fill it with good things if there's still leftover dirty stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So that analogy has worked well with people to go, if I'm going to become a healthy person, yeah. let's figure out, is there any brokenness there that could be healed? Mm -hmm. Which is quite a good picture that fits even with the teachings of Jesus about his own life. When you're mentoring someone and you realize that they are broken, what are uh, ways in which we as mentors can come alongside them and begin to interact yeah. with them? Well, the first one is to help them realize that themselves so they say it about themselves instead of we say it about them. Mm -hmm. Do you understand yep. how broken you are? Yeah, yeah not, not that helpful to most people. I begin emphasizing we need to listen really carefully. Yeah, Listen as they... Yeah talk about their story. Let them bring it up. Probably be useful to describe what brokenness really is. There's a healthy side of this, which is the arrogance, the pride, the overemphasis on my ability, my stuff, my strengths. The other side of it is what it takes to be a whole and healthy and unique person, there's something missing there. Right. A deprivation and, in their and lives. So, yeah, clinical deprivations. If I, if I can, let me just jump in. I love the concept of emotional deprivation because there's not endless numbers of these. There's right. not like so many things wrong with us. Mm -hmm. It can be summarized in basically five. The first building block to become a healthy human is a sense of personal security. Right. The old Maslow was Rest, right. Maslow's triangle. And then a sense of being loved. The third one's a sense of intimacy, being connected. And in that is really very empowering. The fourth one is a sense of significance, which yeah. is one of the motivators of a lot of leaders who are still trying to prove something to themselves or their parent or someone mm -hmm. else. And the final one is just affirmation validation. Right. However... If you crave that, this is where as a mentor, you find people doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. Because <laughs> they're craving they're, after the validation. They want the attaboy or attagirl. Because atta there's still a hole in the soul. So you can right. they can get as much affirmation as possible, but it just trickles down. Mm -hmm. There's nothing for it to stick to. There's not that solid base. So the brokenness then in a person appears as something that's not capturing the good things? Is it leaking? Is it a leaky vessel? <laughs> I, I tend to not use that term as much. As, <laughs> as, as you the, get older. <laughs> as this, well, brings out with some of your audience, the junior high boys, you sort of lose them. And sometimes junior high boys are in their 30s, but still think like <laughs> yeah, junior yeah. high boys. It's not true. <laughs> no, I think the brokenness is there's a self-awareness that the kind of person I hoped I would be, thought I would be, wished like crazy I could get there. I'm not measuring that. I'm, I, I feel different than I wished I did. Mm -hmm. That's a sense of brokenness. 
it's uh, sometimes self-imposed and needs good counseling or therapy to help get out of that. But sometimes it's real and it's an awareness that we're going, if you can address these things deeply, you can probably get there. Yeah. When I'm speaking, I'm mentoring a leader. I don't know whether I know before they know, but I will acknowledge it sometimes before they will acknowledge it. I want to take the time to allow them to fully express their feelings. That often doesn't happen in one session that we're together. I want them to get it out. I think that putting the time into listening carefully and letting them tell, tell their story, express their feelings, is the foundation upon which we can have, I think, a realistic conversation about their brokenness. Would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. But it begins with inviting the conversation. Mm -hmm. Get started having conversations that either they don't know how to have, don't want to have, or just feel awkward doing it. Yeah. Get started. Yeah. And again, both men and women, just an invitation on the journey to have the conversations they don't normally have. Yeah. You know, many of our topics that we're talking about in Mentored as a podcast have as an element to them the creation of a safe environment where we can be honest with each other, put it on the table without fear of judgment and with the sense that the mentor is there to be of help to them. That's, that's our sole purpose. We want to help them. And sometimes that help comes in the form of maybe asking them tougher questions. But it's not coming from an, an evil or power disparity position. It's really saying, we're on your side and we want to be of help. And so let's go there together. One of the surprising things for me is how many hundreds and hundreds of times in working with executives, we finish a conversation and their immediate response is, I cannot have this conversation with anyone else in my life, or mm -hmm. I do not have this conversation with anyone else in my life. Else. So my immediate response is, then you need different friends. Yeah. And they go, tell me where to find them. I go, you don't find friends like that. You develop them. Yeah. That's also where professional therapists come in. That's where a good mentor or coach comes in. But yeah, you, know, you don't find them. You got to go develop them. Yes. Yeah, this comes up so frequently in our conversations. We should devote an episode to talking about friendship because we long for the leaders that we're mentoring to actually have more friends that will do this kind of deep talking with them and be this kind of a support to them. Probably three decades ago, when we still had landlines only, people would call my house, typically men, and I wasn't there, and they would start talking to Diana because for them, she was a surrogate. Mm -hmm. This was not her strength at all. <laughs> if they could see the faces she was making, it would be evident, yeah. but they were so in need, they would just keep talking. And she goes, he kept coming on the phone two hours and then said, Martin is my best friend. And she goes, how long has it been since you've seen Martin? He goes, oh, two or two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. she was the surrogate just because of connection with me. They were so in need. They would just talk to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fascinated me greatly and Maybe. saddened as well.
one area that I watch for when mentoring people who are in a broken state is to help them identify any negative thought patterns that they have going on because they may be reinforcing or further damaging themselves because of how they are interpreting different events in their lives or different conversations. So watching out for negative thought patterns has been helpful if you're with somebody and you point out, let me just bring you back to how you just talked about that. It's the way that they've always been doing it, so they don't notice it. But when you can point it out and go, actually, that's kind of a negative way to be thinking about that. It can help to build their foundation for growth and for healing in their own lives. The other thing is if you can make light of these to help people <laughs> make them normative right. instead of so intense or something's terribly wrong. Go. If you had a friend who just said this to you, what would you say to them? Mm -hmm. I'd call them names. I'd swear at them. I'd punch them and I'd go, then please allow me. Hey, we're in. Yeah, yeah we're in. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the permission. But it becomes so intense and mm -hmm. down. You go, come on, let's, let's look at your life and sort of laugh at yourself for right. just a moment because it's slightly ridiculous, but it's your life. And it's, it's the perspective you've taken on and made normative. No, come on. Some breakthroughs I've had with leaders have occurred because I couldn't stop laughing at the seriousness of them telling me about something that was, they viewed as life ending or whatever. And they had no idea that you and I have probably heard a hundred people tell that same kind of a story and they're all, they all survived it and they're all going to get through it and you're going to get through it as well. When I used to do a, a particular young leaders group, I, I would just say in my talk with them, I'll, uh, I'll probably come to most of you and ask you to take a walk and talk mm -hmm. with me. And so it just became known, if you're off on a walk and talk with Martin, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and I go, we'll make sure we get to everyone. And so every once in a while, I just say to somebody, go for a walk with me. And they go, what are you seeing? I go, nothing, but I don't want you to be feel left That's out. out. Yeah. <laughs> and if there is something, let's, uh, let's see it. Also, it makes the other people feel better. If they're going, even she needs a walk and a talk. <laughs> You know, when people are broken or have a feeling of being broken, one of the things that is at the core of their pain is not having a sense of purpose. They feel like I'm broken. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know. I don't have a sense of what that is. And I don't know how to move forward from here. We often view brokenness as failure. And I believe that brokenness, if we acknowledge it, can really be the foundation of building a new and healthier life. So I see the acknowledgement of brokenness, our talking about it, as actually quite a positive thing. Absolutely. For me, the two downsides is if people feel like they are stuck in this and this becomes yeah. their identity. And then from there, there's usually just a couple of different pathways they take. One is to mask up and create a, a false narrative about themselves and project it. The other one that's more harmful that we find with lots of people we work with is they self-medicate. Yes. At some, yeah. at some level. 
Carson, during uh, during the pandemic, I figured out early on that I had a pretty close contact with 15, maybe as many as 20 physicians who were going to all be on the front line, numbers of them in the greater New York area, some of them internationally. And so I just texted each of them and said, I will be one of those people who prays for you every day. If you want or need anything, let me know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want on a list, let me know. They all responded almost immediately. I was quite fascinated. We're, we're talking... Uh, I think four different world religions, six culture groups, mm-hmm. et cetera. Pretty, pretty diverse. A couple of Jewish doctors. It was great fun for me. And they all wanted in. And so I began to just give them questions to help them through sort of in a mentoring approach. But they were just under the gun and couldn't talk. So one of the questions that I asked, I said, how many times a week do you find yourself going to bed having had more to drink than you said you would? I said, now notice the question. There's no judgment, nobody else's evaluation. You're violating your own standards. How many times a week? And I was having physicians telling me that it was five and six nights a week. And so I would give an individual text to them and say, do do you want to chat about this? And they go, I obviously need to. Yeah, because you brought the awareness to the surface for them. But the self-medicating, we do it in a variety of ways, but we do it to sort of soothe and calm the brokenness of Mm -hmm. the soul. I have a a therapist who uses the phrase self-soothe rather than Mm self-medicating because they they look for different ways to get through the pain. Sometimes it's with medication or alcohol or cannabis or whatever, but there's some other even more unhealthy ways to try to self-soothe from the pain. I particularly use the word medicate because they had access to medications. Yes. Yeah. They could get whatever <laughs> they wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Coming back to the introduction of how in the past we used to talk about people being lost and in need of a savior. And today we are surrounded by people who are broken and in need of a healer. How do we bring hope to them in terms of deepening their relationship with God? What are things that can encourage them to try to do that, even in their brokenness? Identifying what a healthy soul looks like is just something that in most faith circles, we don't really talk a lot about. And you don't get there with more behavior management or more memory of particular passages of Holy Scripture. (laughs) No, it it becomes a, let's like take a good long look at what's there and what's not there and just begin with that. I think a healthy soul for people feels whole. It feels like it's all together, that you can function in today and tomorrow and the days to follow out of wholeness. And I know that that's vague, but the soul is meant to be intact. And we can do things in our lives that bring about a brokenness of the soul. Hey, it's Carson here, and I want to talk to you for a moment about my good friend, Martin. I'm wondering if you're in the place where you're looking for a dynamic and engaging speaker who can inspire your audience at your next conference, because I want you to consider my buddy, Martin. 
With his unique blend of humor, passion, and in-depth spirituality, he's an engaging presence for leadership conferences and events. His talks aren't just informative, they're transformative. And whether he's speaking to a room full of leaders or influential figures or pastors or professionals, Dr. Sanders knows how to connect and deliver a message that resonates. So if you're looking for a speaker for your next conference, check out my dear friend Martin. Contact us today at mentoredpodcast.net to learn more about his availability for your event. Um, in listening and looking at both current and ancient literature, first of all, they have a hard time identifying what actually is the soul. Mm -hmm. Yes. Actually, one of our colleagues contacted me and said, I'm doing a big talk for lots of key people. And he said, how would you define the soul? I said, how many other people have you talked to first? And he said, nine. And I go, why, why didn't you call me first? I'm the soul man. <laughs> and he goes, I, I know that, but I wanted to see what else was going on. And I go, how much time do I have? When do you give your talk? And he goes, in 20 minutes. And I go, you mm -hmm. call me 20 minutes. I'm supposed to come up with something fine. Let me give it to you. The soul is, again, that other side of you. It is the side of you that brings out the best. It's also the things that live in the darkness and in the shadows. It's the sum total of the human existence mm. embodied in this one place, one experience. So a healthy soul is one that feels like it's not missing large amounts of something. But when there's a broken soul, it always feels like something's missing. You there's something off. There's something I wish, I wish, I wish. I wish either didn't happen or would have happened. I wish this thing hadn't have had its impact upon me. You know, in, in Judaism, there's they make a distinction about the soul being like head and heart together. Mm -hmm. And as you were describing that, I can hear both parts of it. Mm -hmm. I can hear what you think about and then the experience of what you feel, if you like, uh, in your soul. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but more than 20 years ago, every place I was... Uh, on a plane, on a park bench, in a mall, to strike up a conversation. I go, tell me about your soul. And they go, what, what do you mean my soul? And I go, that side of you where you never go. <laughs> like what's there and what's not there? Just talk. You, you've done that with my boys. Oh, I have yeah. with your boys, yeah. You, I, I, this is raising again the helpfulness of a community around you, yeah. of friendships. We as mentors do them a great favor if we can help them right from the onset recognize that they are not alone in this. And there is hope for healing. And there's wholeness that can be found through God in their lives. They're not finished yet. You just brought up the healing piece. I think we have to do that because the healing piece doesn't mean the problems are gone. By God's strength and power, he's going to take away the power of the memory, the memory won't go away. It's a part of your narrative, but the power of this thing can be gone. Right. So part of the healing process is to go, let, let's redeem the brokenness. Mm -hmm. It might be part of your charm. It might be a big part of what brought you here. And mm -hmm. you can't get rid of it. So you're reminding them that it doesn't disappear completely like it never existed. It's more your ability to cope with that and to live with that and to be 
redeemed. Redeem it and see it in a new light. Yeah. You know, God doesn't waste anything in our lives. Not a thing. There's nothing that we go through that he can't take and recycle and do something that actually will bring glory to the kingdom. My wife, Diana, passed several years ago, and I happened to be in Calgary, and I thought, I'm, I'm going to go with a couple of friends, and we'll go out towards the mountains. We stopped in and saw somebody else, and they ended up inviting me to dinner. So it was two couples and me, and I went in to wash up before dinner and come out, and it was obvious they were talking about me. Well, you were in the washroom. You yeah. love those, don't yeah. you? <laughs> And they said, uh, Martin, we just got to tell you, you've been to hell and back a number of times. I go, the key, mm -hmm. if you're going through hell, just don't stop because you can keep, keep going. going. Yeah. So I said, well, what are you saying? And they go, you, you still have this great joy, like you're fun to be around. And I said, that's so useful because it's hard to have perspective on your own life, especially when a lot of the factors don't look that good. So I began to put together... That on one hand in my life, I've had more uh, pain and loss and sadness than most people. Mm -hmm. But just below it, people say, Martin, you have the best friends of anybody I've ever met. I go, yeah. People like connect with you. And I go, come on, look at me, obviously. Yeah. What's not to connect with? And the, the third one is they go, you, you have this sense of joy and fun. And they go, how do all of those fit in the same person, in the same experience? And I go, you redeem the worst of the stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, the, it's the healing of the broken aspects of your life. They redeem them. When I think of the idea of how God can redeem something in our brokenness, I think about this image of recycling because I can have a plastic soda bottle at home and once a week, we have to put it into a particular bin, and then that bin gets picked up with the garbage and taken to a recycling plant, where they take that plastic soda bottle, chew it up, they melt it again, I'm not sure, but that can become a rug in your house. It can become something completely different. God can take a broken part of us and actually recycle it, and it'll come out as something that provides value and wholesomeness to others in their lives. So the redeemed soul then becomes this sense that the pieces have come back together, mm -hmm. took longer than you wish it would have, experiences that you wish your memory didn't have to retain, things you wish you hadn't seen, heard, done, been a part of, but the regrets can actually be processed, worked through so that that broken soul is now amended and healed soul. Mm -hmm. Hence, you can begin to have this sense that I am of use to the master, if you can, yeah. because it's, uh, it's, I'm not broken. I've actually begun this healing process. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on my way. Martin, you and I have both walked through grief journeys in our lives with the passing of our spouses. Yeah. And in grief coaching, grief share, grief, all these different programs that are out there to help people who are going through grieving, they talk about, do you have any regrets? And they want you to be free of the regrets so that you can move forward. And I think you mentioned that in terms of part of 
the healing of the healthy soul is let's be regret-free as we go forward. Healing the soul. Yeah. It's a good one. That's a great, great conversation. Really appreciate the fact that we get to be involved in people's lives and helping them move in ways that will recycle things perhaps in their lives. And often reminding them it's different than they have viewed it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's a good convo. If you want to hear more from us and find other resources on mentoring, head over to our website at www.mentoredpodcast.net, where you'll find all our topics as well as a way to subscribe to future episodes. And we'd also appreciate it if on social media, you take a moment to like or comment on our episodes. This helps us create better content and reach more people with our message. I'm Martin Sanders. And I'm Carson Pugh. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.